welcome to a podcast. Is that what we call it these days? Yeah, I suppose. This is a podcast, and this is one where we talk about talkies. It is entitled Talking Talkies. Oh, but the end, Peck, what is a talkie? Well, you see, it started with a jazz singer, see? Thank you, Billy McGuire. And there was uh, blackface. It was wonderful. Did you say there was blackface? Yeah, there's blackface. Oh, dear Lord. Yep. Ye old blackface. Like, literally, they just painted him black. Ye old, of course. Not the modern uh, Darren Young-looking blackface. Oh, dear. Where you literally just look like Darren Young. Well, that's 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 he's like he literally is John Cena in blackface, just all over his body. Yes, yes, that's the podcast we're doing. Uh, this is the one where we talk a talkie. Oh, okay. And that, that it's that's the other podcast. Can find it on a giant media ball. Giant media ball. It's like a giant ball of media. With no fleas. No fleas. Guaranteed. No fleas. Uh, that's what he says every time you do something crazy, he pops up on the screen and goes, No, please! Yes. You know, like 20 years before this was a thing. <laughs> that's not a dated reference at all. Mortal Kombat knows what's, knew what was going to happen in early 2015. <laughs> Alright, so this is Talking Talkies, and we are going to review what I think is our newest movie to date. Uh, yeah, because this one only came out two or three years ago. Yeah, 2013, the year. Um, this movie is called The Wolf of Wall Street, and it's based on a book based on a true story. Which means, when I tell you that Martin Scorsese directed it, you shouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, the first couple of lines of dialogue won't surprise you that it's a Scorsese film because it's a lot of lewd swearing. <laughs> it's kind of what he's known for. Uh, he's also second Scorsese movie, by the way. Uh, is it only the second Scorsese movie? Uh, I believe so. There's a lot of Scorsese movies we can do too. Well, of course there is. But the most would still be uh, Zemeckis because we did all three. No, the most would be Brooks. Oh, because we did four. Because we did a whole month of Brooks. Yes. Did you forget about Mel Brooksuary already? So it's Brooks at four, Zemeckis at three, Tarantino at two or one, depending upon your perspective. <laughs> and then also Scorsese with two. I'm going to hit up some more Spielberg pretty soon, too. Yeah. Anyway. Wolf of Wall Street. It's the Wolf of Wall Street. This is a black comedy that's also biographical. And is of that course, how it's categorized? Pretty much, yeah. Um, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio in yet another role that when the movie was over, I was like, how does this guy not have an Oscar? You know who was the best in this movie? Rob Reiner. <laughs> As his dad. He was awesome. <laughs> As Mad Max. He was the best. I think he was the best character. 
Everyone did a great job, but I think he he was the best character. This is the I first was, time a guy named Mad Max was the best character in the movie. Yeah, I was really impressed with Jonah Hill's performance personally, especially because he uh, was so desperate to work on the movie that he took the lowest possible pay grade he could, just because he wanted to be in a Scorsese film, which I think paid off. So. The gentleman's name in question is Jordan Belfort, and that is who Leonardo DiCaprio plays. And he wants to be a stockbroker. So he takes a job on Wall Street in 1987 with a pretty reputable brokerage firm called L.F. Rothschild, no relation to Bobby G. And the senior stockholder is Matthew McConaughey because, you know, why not? Gotta get him in a movie somehow. Of course. And he actually kept his shirt on, which is an unusual character trait. I think However, he tried really hard, though. The part where he pounds his chest and hums along with it is apparently something that McConaughey does to warm up for films. And DiCaprio's like, we really need to put that in this movie. <laughs> so they did. Um... Yeah, Belfort really wanted to be a stockbroker, but he gets laid off as a result of Black Monday. Yeah, so, it was like one of like his like third week or whatever as a full broker or whatever. Yeah, and he's yeah, just done, and he's just done. But he kind of he kind of picks himself up after a, an inspirational lunch, I guess you could say, with Matthew McConaughey. Sorry, yeah, Mark that was his Hanna. first day first day at work ever when he was just a lowly. He was getting all the all the tips and everything. Like, because all he did at, at the beginning was all he did was get people on the phone and then transfer them to the actual broker, right? And that was his first day. He goes out to lunch with McConaughey, right? And he tells him everything he needs to know to be a scumbag. <laughs> Who better to deliver that news than Matthew McConaughey? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> so. He ends up taking a boiler room brokerage job somewhere on Long Island, and they specialize in penny stocks. But because he's such an asshole now, he knows how to get some really high commissions with the pink sheets and make himself a small fortune by basically just lying to the customers. The pink pink sheet stocks give you 50% commission. Right. Whereas on the big firm, he's getting 1%. The best part is that he's when he's talking to these people, he's just like flipping them off in the process and <laughs> making all these gestures. Kind of makes you wonder, like, how many times you've called somebody like a customer service line or something and they've done the exact same thing to you. Don't worry, I'm usually flipping them off, too. I mean, I I worked in a bank and when it, there were times when the the people couldn't see me. Because, you know, they'd be in the drive-through teller line or something. They only means of communication. No, the only means of visual communication was through a camera that I had turned off, or they could just look through. I mean, I could say anything I wanted. I could do anything I wanted, and you had no idea. I'm sure waiters have talked about you in the past, but this time it's your stockbroker, who's just reveling in the fact that he's fucking you, and doing a damn good job with it too. But uh, Belfort decides to form his own company after he meets a man named Donnie Azoff, 
played by Jonah Hill, who <laughs> flat out quits his job just because he sees how much money that Belfort's making. If you show me a pay stub with $70,000 on it, I'll quit my job right now. And he does. Because out of the payphone goes, hey, how you doing? Uh, just say no, I quit. Yeah, I quit. No, this isn't a joke. I quit. Yep, so he's going to start his own company now, right? After a bit, right? Because that guy just joins him at the at the little storefront place for a little bit. Right. So he's going to start his own company. So he gets all yep. a bunch of his old friends and guys he knows, and they're all just meeting at a diner or something. Yeah, and they're all scummy people. Drug dealer. I love how he's like, oh, that guy is an expert in selling blah, 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 and weed. And weed. And this guy sells blah, 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 and weed. And this guy sells whatever, but mostly weed. <laughs> and I, they give themselves the name Stratton Oakmont, which makes them sound reputable. Yes. I love how they meet, and he's like, sell me this pen. <laughs> And then Sell at the end, John Bernthal's pen. character, who was Shane on The Walking Dead, he's like, "Can you uh, give, can you write your name down for me? <laughs> I don't have a pen. <laughs> Supply and demand." <laughs> uh, so um, basically, what happens here is he becomes really successful and really rich through all these really scummy ways, and at the same time, he's kind of just like, well. I got all this money, so I'm going to use it on whores and dope. That's exactly what he does. It's nothing but prostitutes and drugs. And he's currently married. He's got a wife at the moment. But uh, <laughs> she catches him cheating on her <laughs> by blowing coke off a hooker's tits in the back of a limo. So he's just like, all right, well. I really like this uh, this other girl that came to one of my parties one time. I think I'm going to marry her instead. And Naomi. that chick is going to be is Harley Quinn, Suicide Squad. Yep. Also, she uh, he buys her a yacht and names it after her as a like a wedding gift. Oh, you mean the gift for himself? Yeah, but the classic name the boat after the woman. Yeah, but it's really for me. Unfortunately, he's also getting the eye of the FBI at the moment. I love how they, they deal with the um, – because he said like within the first six months of the company being public or whatever, the uh, the SEC has <laughs> visited them like 12 times already. And what they do is they put them in the conference room and turn the AC up. <laughs> <laughs> So he's um, he makes a whole bunch of money by selling shares of Steve Madden, and then he basically has to hide his money because of the investigation. So he contacts a Swiss bank account with a corrupt banker, and basically does everything in the name of Naomi's aunt because she's a British citizen. So why not? And then he uses all of Brad's friends to smuggle the cash to Switzerland. Brad's wife and her entire family, because they're Swiss. Of course. So they get little questions asked when they go to Switzerland. Yeah. Every month, <laughs> with suitcases full of money, 
and money completely strapped to their body. That was also really great when they're trying to find out how much money they can put on her. Uh, I love um, I love the scene when the, he's he's so messed up on quaaludes that he tries to. Tr- he has to make the call at the country club, and then he has to get home. That's after my they favorite kick. scene when the freaking lemons kick in. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and apparently, DiCaprio improv the whole scene, <laughs> just falling down to, the stairs. I lo- I, you know what I loved about that is like it keeps on showing you that there's only like six stairs, and then it would switch the perspective to his, and it'd be like twenty stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because a lot of people were saying there's like all these weird edits in the movie, and Scorsese's like, "Yeah, that's done on purpose, guys." Because he's high, dumbass. <laughs> I love so, that because it was like what six, and it was all of a sudden he was like twenty, and you're like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps grunting because he can't get the words out. <laughs> My favorite is when he finally kicks it, and he's like, I, I skipped all the all the opening things, and I went right to a new face. Cerebral palsy face. Cerebral palsy face. Oh, my God. This movie had me laughing quite a bit. Oh, that was the, my biggest laugh. That was my favorite scene. Nah. He and of course... his way, and he rolls down the stairs, and then he gets in the car, and the phone rings as he's getting in the car. Oh, and how he has to keep trying to get the door open of the car because it's a Lamborghini. So it has the wing door, so it keeps on trying to close on him because he doesn't have it open enough. Oh, God. The other scene that I really like is when we introduce – he introduces us to his father for the first time. And he's like – he's just flipping out because somebody called on the phone. And he gets like a fake British – <laughs> it gets like a fake British accent, and then he's so pleasant, but as soon as he hangs up the phone, he's just cursing up a storm again. What the hell happened? Oh, oh my god. Um, Donnie stupidly gets into a public fight with Brad while he's trying to smuggle the money. Brad gets arrested, the money gets confiscated, and now the FBI's tapping his phones. So his dad's like, you gotta leave, and he's like, alright, I'm gonna do it. And I've made a deal to keep me out of prison, but he gets there and he just can't do it, which is basically what screws him up the whole time. So he's like, all right, screw it. We're going to um, we're going to go to Italy because they can't arrest us if we're in another country. And that's when the ant dies. Aw. And I like how his initial reaction is. All right, let's go to Monaco. And she's she sitting there crying. He's like, well. I mean, because he has to go and, tr- and and do the uh, because she marked him as like the next akin on the account, but he yeah. only has a couple of days to okay it before it closes out or whatever. So he has to get to Switzerland as soon as possible. Otherwise, he loses all the money they smuggled over. <laughs> and then they get they get caught in a big storm. The yacht capsizes, and even though they get rescued, hit the plane that was going to rescue them blows up. That was like the weirdest thing. All of a sudden, there's a plane in the background, and it just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like, that was a sign from God that I need to sober up. So he does, and it seems like he's got his whole life on track. And we we cut back to the awesome infomercial that he was doing at the beginning of the movie. Where there's like a lion walking through the office, and he's like, I'm rich. You know, my wife's hot. I have all these cars, and you can be just like me. But then he gets arrested while he's shooting his infomercial. I love that they land the helicopter, he starts walking, and then all of a sudden they just show up. (laughs) So they try to cut him a deal, 
and he has to pretty much find a way to turn in like pretty much everybody else. Yep. So they'll give him a lenient sentence if he turns in everybody else. And that, of course, that leads to all this self-destruction. Um, he ends up, his wife ends up divorcing him. He gets into a into a stupor and crashes his car trying to move off with his child in like a very Walter White type method, except that Walter actually got away with his kid. So he's just like, all right, fine. So he wears the wire to work and he tries to be all slick about it. But the FBI find the note and that's it. Now you're going to jail. And Stratton gets seized. Everyone gets arrested. All because and Rugrat got caught. Oh, we call him Rugrat because it looked like he was wearing a toupee. Because he wears a toupee the other day. <laughs> yeah, but it was right. But Jonah Hill's character is the one that turned that fully turned. Right, because he's like all fine in the office. Yeah, he's pretty much just like, all right, forget it. So I'll like, be the one that doesn't go to jail. Yeah, so like he like so they like worked everybody, but they didn't know it or whatever. At least that's how I took out of it. Yeah, because, because I read something that like he his character in real life did do a little bit of time, but got out pretty early, and they didn't really cover that in the movie, which makes me think that that's pretty much how it happened. Is it? Yeah, because. Because Jordan was gonna do it, but then he was like, "No, don't, don't incriminate yourself, whatever." And then he's like, "Fuck that, I'll do it." Yeah. But he still gets a pretty lenient sentence. He only serves thirty-six months in a minimum security prison. Uh, yeah, that- white-collar prison where he's like playing tennis. And tennis. Play. He's like, and that, I, yeah, he's like, I was gonna break down and cry, but then I remembered I'm a rich guy. I'm rich, and everything's for sale. <laughs> and that's pretty much like that is like if you want anything nicer you gotta pay you gotta pay a premium like a nice roll of toilet paper is like 10 bucks right right so like they, they they mark you up but hey if you're rich fuck it <laughs> you know? exactly and uh it, the movie ends with the real jordan belfort making a cameo playing an introductory like ex like it, like introducing like a TED Talk type deal. It's in Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing is he's trying to get them all to sell him the pen, and nobody can do it. They're all doing that. It's a great pen. He just takes it away. Sell me this pen. And that, in a nutshell, was the Wolf of Wall Street. What did you think? I enjoyed it, and uh, the thing we didn't mention is that the soundtrack is freaking awesome. Oh my god, the soundtrack is awesome. Yeah, I really, really like this movie. I'm really glad we watched it. Um, I mean, I didn't think I was going to hate it because it's a Scorsese film, so that it already had that going for it. I don't think I've ever seen a Scorsese film I didn't like. There's, there's like there's two types of Martin Scorsese films. There's the ones I really, really loved, and the ones I haven't seen yet. And it's also a DiCaprio movie, and I've liked DiCaprio in almost every single thing I've ever seen him in. In fact, like the only DiCaprio thing I've ever seen that I didn't like was Titanic, and that's because it's Titanic and it was a love story and I wasn't going to like it. But I discussed that in my blog, if y'all want to read that. Oh, I'm not a big fan of the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. But that was more on oh, Baz have... Luhrmann than, than on Leonardo DiCaprio. So. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought it was interesting, but... But yeah, this was another one of those movies where I walked out of it being like, this guy doesn't have an Oscar. Just 
doesn't make any sense. Don't worry. Like, in another five, ten years, he'll get one he doesn't deserve to make up for it, and someone else will get fucked over. Oh, yeah. That's how it works. Sorry, we didn't give you one when you deserved it, but whatever. And then someone else will be like, why did he didn't deserve that one? Pretty that's much. That's how they roll. <laughs> All right, so here's some interesting facts about the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, anytime the actors were snorting, or snorting cocaine, they were using crushed B vitamins. So it's just like, hey, I'm just going <laughs> to get some energy in me. All of McConaughey's scenes were shot in the second week of filming and pretty much shot easily. He was in two scenes, so. Yeah, the uh, the sex scene on the bed full of cash was incredibly uncomfortable. And Margot Robbie got lots of paper cuts on her back because of that. I thought it was pretty funny, though. Uh, the scene where she slaps him, she did it so hard that they burst out laughing, and but then she, and he was okay with it. But then she was afraid that if she hit him too hard, he was going to sue her. But he's like, he "No, that was good. Right do it back. again." Yeah. Um. Yeah, we already read that the whole DiCaprio thing trying to open up the door of his car was imp- was improv. It was also the only time they shot that scene because he just couldn't do it. Well over half of the film ends up improvised. And you can tell which scenes are. A lot of the scenes where they're just screaming into the telephones are probably improvised. So... It's some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff in this movie. Uh, Dan, you got any interesting facts? No. You were going to be like the the guru on the budget and the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Whatever happened to that? Uh, I forgot a couple weeks and then I just stopped. Oh. <laughs> well. Whatever. Whatever. This is a free podcast. Oh, yeah. It's a free podcast. Uh, when Brad slaps Donnie, um, his prosthetic teeth flew out, and he was hit so hard that his face swelled in real time, which Scorsese filmed. <laughs> and when uh, Jonah Hill's character, Donnie, starts randomly masturbating at a party, he was wearing a prosthetic penis, but he didn't tell anybody this, so everybody's reactions were genuine. All the members of the guest list of the wedding that he gives to the FBI were members of the crew. Cool. Oh, and the divorce scene was inaccurate. And that was the only problem the real Jordan Belfort didn't like because he said that their divorce was actually quite reasonable and he was clean and sober at the time, whereas they made him look like a big scumbag. But it's a film. You're not going to get every detail correct. Not 100% of Goodfellas details are correct either, but still a good film. Goodfellas. Yes, that is The Wolf of Wall Street, the newest movie that we've watched, but I'm really happy that we watched it. And uh, in preparation for this movie and what we were going to watch in the future, Dan and I decided that we're going to pretty much invoke a one-year policy on these movies that we review. They have to at least have been out for a year, or at least a year from their original theatrical release. Yeah. So I think that's fair. 
I think that is more than fair. So here's what's coming up next week on Talkin' Talkies. We are going to review The Goonies. Why The Goonies? Because I haven't seen that movie in years and I really want to watch it. (laughs) Pretty much as simple as that. I saw it all the time as a kid. And then I saw it in college and I judged my parents. <laughs> I think we all had that reaction too. I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. And I remember I got the itch to watch it um, quite recently when I just happened to find it on TV. I'm like, hey, the Goonies are on. And I watched like five minutes of it and then I had to turn it off. I'm like, no, I need to watch the whole thing. The whole damn thing. And this was roughly around the time we had started the podcast or at least talking about it or talking talkies was at least an idea. So Goonies was definitely going to be one of the uh, hit list movies that I had to get in. And it's going to kind of kick off our summer blockbuster set of movies here. So why not? Why not the Goonies? And now good enough for them. Yeah. Now the week after the Goonies, we are going to review the original Jurassic Park and that is in preparation for the new Jurassic World that is coming out. I know that Dan is going to be watching all three films. I'll probably do the same, but we are only going to review the first one for two reasons. One, overall, it's really the only one that's worth reviewing as a whole because it's that much of a classic. And even though I don't hate the sequels as much as a lot of people do, I don't really think that they're worth a whole episode dedication to. We'll probably just mention them. But the other reason is because Jurassic World is basically going to be a direct sequel to Jurassic Park. And while the other two movies will have happened in canon, they're not going to affect the progress of this movie. They're just kind of the Site B films where stuff happened, and here's what actually took place on this island after everybody abandoned it. So that is why we're going to just review Jurassic Park. Uh, the month of June is still open to listener requests, so if you guys got them, by all means, submit them. We do have a couple that are in queue. Some of them we have decided to push off until next year. I know we had somebody request the Matrix trilogy, which we are scheduled for a 2016 eventual time period. Um, that is just because we have a pretty full calendar coming up near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. and. Not really enough room to do three of those movies. Um, any request for the Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings films will be answered next year as well. We have also planned out our next Mel Brooksuary, which will be coming up sooner than later. And we have even decided on doing an entire month dedicated to a certain director. And who is that director? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, for, it's not until it's... Yeah, not until be a while. while. (laughs) The the point is, we got plans. So, we uh, Goonies (laughs) next week and Jurassic Park. Sorry for the clip show. (laughs) Yes, but have no fear. We've got stories for years. Anyway, that was Wolf of Wall Street. Excellent film. Big thumbs up. It's on Netflix. You guys should definitely check it out. It is a really good movie. Yes, yes. Next week is the Goonies. Anything else to say to our lovely listeners? Uh, Goonies and Goonies and get ready for the things. Okay, cool. (laughs) Anyway, that's Dan. I'm Chris. We'll see you next week. Bye.